it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hi, this is Tony Cotty, and you're listening to the We Are West End podcast. You are listening to the We Are West Ham podcast with me, Will Pugh, James Jones, and no Tom Edwards. Despite uh, reports to the contrary, the We Are West Ham host and co-host do not uh, spend all of their life abroad. But Tom is, in fact, in Portugal at the moment. He was hoping to join us, but the Wi-Fi signal not as good as when he was in Ibiza a few weeks ago. He hasn't just followed my lead and taken up surfing on the waves of the Atlantic off of the Algarve. He is, in fact, at a family wedding. So it's just back to the old days. If you're a new listener, you might not be aware that uh, when me and James did the West Ham show as a live radio show in the heady days before coronavirus came along and ruined everyone's lives, me and Jonesy would sit in a studio and actually see each other in the flesh every week, every Tuesday night before it switched just to a podcast over lockdown. Jonesy, nice to see you again, mate. Uh, just like, like the old days again, just the two of us. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's nice to, it's like a throwback, isn't it? So it takes it back to the good old days before lockdowns and uh, and the like, and and without fans in stadiums and all that. It's actually, but you know, it's it's good. It's good that it's just us two. Uh, as much as I love Tom on the, on the pod as well, but he's off. He's a, he's off at a wedding. I saw a great photo of him on on Facebook actually, all dolled up with his uh, with his suit on. Looking, Did you? Looking good. Oh, I've missed yeah, that one. looking very, very sharp. Maybe if, if he gets permission, we might share it on, on Twitter for the followers because he does look very, very sharp in his whistle. Does he? Uh, he strikes me as that. Has he sorted his hair out, though? Oh, no, nah, still. Yeah, still nah. the same. Yeah. Wurzel Gummidge, yeah, Mark but, just b- Below the neck down, it's it, looking good. Absolutely. Well, James, I'm sure you'll agree, as will everyone at home, and I'm sure even Tom will agree, that the man that we have brought in to replace Tom Edwards tonight um, trumps him, to be quite honest. I'm sure he looks better in a suit, and we know firsthand 
what our guest tonight looks like in a suit because every weekend we see him on Soccer Saturday talking to Jeff Stelling. It is none other than West Ham United iconic legendary striker Tony Cotty. We are absolutely delighted he will be standing in for Tom this evening and of course if he does well enough and his wage demands aren't too high then uh, we'll pull him in for the long term and that will be the last you ever hear of Tom Edwards but uh, yeah great great guest tonight Tony will be joining us from part two to talk all things Man City at the weekend he has been uh, offered a charity Betway bet um, for this weekend's game against Liverpool Tony Carr had one last week for the Man City game and uh, there's 50 quid that Tony Cotty has got tonight to have a guess on the weekend's games and hopefully win some money for our charities that we are playing for. Josie, great draw against Manchester City at the weekend. It's eight points, two wins, two draws and two defeats from six opening games against Newcastle, Arsenal, Wolves, Leicester, Tottenham and Man City. And to be quite honest, I would suggest that is probably five points at least more than most people thought we were going to have. In classic West Ham fashion, we didn't pick them up against the teams we thought we were going to, losing to Newcastle and then picking up those eight against those tricky teams I mentioned. I think or the position we're in all right, is 12th in the table at the moment, which doesn't seem fantastic. But after the six games that we've had, I think everyone listening would have snapped your arm off for it. And it proves, I think, if nothing else, that none of us on the We Are West Ham podcast and a few of our listeners who, uh, who didn't think we were going to do too well in the opening six games either, that none of us know absolutely anything about football or West Ham, as we'd all decided that we'd basically be confirmed relegation fodder by now. Yeah, it's, it's pleasantly surprising, isn't it? I think um, I, I look back at when it was just after, well, just before the Wolves game, and we were all talking like looking after, looking at the the fixtures to come, going that really hard run, going we're going to have no points by November, aren't we? We're going, we're going to be it's going to be we, they might as well just send us down to the Championship straight away by, <laughs> by Christmas because we are in so much trouble. What was the point of staying up? What was the point of it? What was we might as well just gone down anyway, and and. Because that Newcastle game at the beginning of the season was just so terrible, it gave us no confidence for the season to come. And then <laughs> even if the performance was a little bit better against Arsenal, we still had no points after two games going into that hellish run of fixtures. And we haven't lost since. And we've been really, really good. Um, and, you know, a, a home draw against City, who loves, loves just scoring for fun in Stratford, it is a really, really good result. It's taking that into... A trip to Anfield this coming weekend, um, and even if we don't win uh, at Anfield, uh, or if we don't get a point at Anfield, leave there empty-handed, you still got to look back on this little run of fixtures, which we all dreaded at the beginning of the season, even before that Newcastle defeat, and and say so it's, it's been a, it's been a success. And then, but we've now got to go into uh, the so-called easier run of fixtures and make that count, haven't we? Otherwise, because we, we all know typical West Ham, don't we? I don't want to get negative. But I can see that Fulham game. I'm going. I know it's coming. <laughs> that is exactly. Coming. That's exactly it, isn't it? I had a I had a quick look at the the fixtures earlier on. Obviously, like I say, twelve at the moment. Not too bad, uh, given those games. Um, and we'll go into the Liverpool game full of full of confidence. Obviously, the status of Mikel Antonio's injury, uh, which we'll cover a little bit more shortly is a worry for West Ham fans, given that he's been so integral to the excellent performances and the style of play that we've been uh, executing so far this season. The 
I mean, let's get straight into that, really, Jonesy. The Mikhail Antonio, uh, the, the sort of reports eking out, um, just so everyone knows as well, we normally record the podcast on a Tuesday night, but um, as the esteemed nature of our guest that we've got on tonight, we had to do a little bit of rejiggling. Uh, so we're actually doing this Monday evening, uh, Monday night. Uh, so 24 hours before we normally do. So uh, if you're listening to this and thinking, what are they talking about? It's been announced how long Antonio's going to be out for or whether he's fit at the weekend, you'll uh, have to forgive us. But as of Monday night, 7 o'clock, uh, it's just reports creeping out, Jonesy, that it's not looking too clever for Mikel Antonio. He felt his hamstring against City, didn't he? Um, limped off in the second half. Um, and it's not looking too good at the moment by all accounts. No, I, th- I think similar situation in the Spurs game that he... There were some some rumours that he may have just aggravated something in the Spurs game, and they've managed to get him get him okay for the City one, but it was a little bit too much. And it's, if he is out for a, a, a prolonged period of time, even if that's you know two or three games or even longer, then you know it, all that does is expose the the, the shortfalls of the, the summer transfer window for me. Yeah, okay, yeah, we brought Ben Rama in right the right the end and. I think if Antonio is out, then Ben Rama is going to have a have a larger role to play than he probably even thought he might do at the beginning of his West Ham career. But you know, selling Hugo and Ayeti, and I'm not saying those two strikers are, are the two goal goal scoring strikers we uh, desperately need at the club. But don't, now because I'll with... just we'll just be arguing no, with each other. No, exactly. The first show I know, we've done I together, know. just the two of us. I for know. Ages. I mean, well, I mean, that's kind of what what, what the fans want, isn't it? <laughs> well, that is, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But no, I don't know. I think, you know, as much as I think uh, Haller has a lot to offer, I think in this system he doesn't. And Haller is not going to come slot straight in to replace Antonio and have the exact same effect. Whereas someone like Ayeti could have a similar effect. I'm not saying clinically he would, but, you know, he's a lot more mobile than Haller. Um, and I, I just, we need a mobile striker to play up top on his own. And Haller is not that guy to play up top on his own. And, what I, what I, <laughs> but what I he is. Well, I mean, he'd, he'd run around a lot more. He'd be a little bit more busier, <laughs> wouldn't he? Um, and I mean, even if you're not going to keep Oyeti, you're not going to keep Hugo, then you know you need to bring in a backup who can do a very similar, if not you know, identical job to what your preferred number one first choice striker can do, just in case that number one preferred striker gets injured at some point. And when that's Michael Antonio, as much as we all love him, we all know he's going to pick up an injury at some point. Um, and to go into the season without a, a backup like that for him is criminal for me. Um, we all knew it. We all knew it was going to come. It's happened probably sooner than we all expected at a time when Antonio was on fire. Um, and it's, it's frustrating. So hopefully he's not out for too long. But you know, this is a moment for Haller to, to, to really step up and and show that you know he can lead the line, but I just don't think he's the player for it. Well, look, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull you up on it. And uh, Alan Rezepa, who listens to the podcast every week, he engages with us a lot on Twitter as well. And uh, once again, we apologise to him if, uh, or I apologise if uh, we haven't pronounced his surname right. But Alan tweeted this was about five days ago. This, and I remember uh, enjoying the tweet at the time. And he tweeted: "Biggest myth is that Antonio works harder than Haller." For comparison, distance covered and attempted tackles in 2019-20. So this is last season. Sebastian Haller, uh, 246 kilometres covered compared to 
Mikel Antonio's 113. Um, 9.86 kilometres per 90 minutes for Sebastian Haller, 5.79. Mikel Antonio, 49 attempted tackles for Sebastian Haller, 23 attempted tackles for Mikel Antonio. Uh, Alan signed it off with how people end up with takes like Haller is lazy is beyond me. And I I think it's a bit... I'm not saying he's lazy. I don't think he's lazy at all. I, I I do I think it's a bit it's easy I think because of the the languid style of of Haller to fall into that trap I think I don't, and it is hard to argue I think what it is that it, perhaps the all right Michael Antonio might not be moving around for ninety minutes as much as Haller is because I don't think just because someone's covered a bit of more ground in a game necessarily you know is is proof that they're better or they work harder i think it's the impact you make when you do run that's really what mm-hmm. makes a difference isn't it i think antonio does that a lot more because he's he's quicker along the ground isn't he and he can bully and and hold players off more so but i do think it's a concern it's it's certainly one that's that surfaced um this week since as it seems like antonio's gone i think there's no doubt jonesy that West Ham needed cover in that position. I think, and I was saying before that I wanted Josh King over Ben Rama, previous Twitter poll that we did. And I think this is exactly why, because he would slot in better than Haller. He's a bit like a B-Tech Mike Arnautovic, I called him. But someone who's seven out of 10 at all of the attributes of a striker, i.e. in the air, running the channels, harrying defenders, rather than nine and a half out of 10 at one, which Haller is in the air. And then... Uh, four or five at, at mobility and harrying and, and running channels. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I, I think, yeah, Josh King would have been probably better. And I think we're led to believe that Josh King was the guy that David Moyes wanted. Um, but someone else at the football club wanted said Ben Rama and, and, and that was that. Uh, and maybe this is as a result of, of that decision that we're now left going, oh, I wish we had Josh King led side now. Maybe Ben Rama can step in and do that job and he's not what he was bought for. But um, the, the the only positive, or the only positive I can see from it is that we are getting, we are creating a lot more chances than we were this time last year, um, or even you know, you know, back in the last season, and we're getting a lot more balls in the box, and that will suit Haller, you know, because we all know how good he is in the air, we all know the aerial threat he has, so maybe you know it, it could work out. It might not be as big an issue as we thought it would. We just wouldn't have that. Harrying, bullying striker um, up top, but we'll just be, have someone a little bit more, a little bit more aerial threat uh, in the box for all those balls going in. Because Cresswell is putting so many balls in the box um, at the moment from that position, and you know it, it could work out to be all right. But you're right. I think Josh King would, if we if we decide Josh King on deadline day, I don't think we would be having this conversation. Would be it would be like you know at least we've got a backup. But Unfortunately, yeah, brilliant. We get to see Josh King. Yeah. Yeah. Now it's okay. Well, it's either, either, either time for Haller to step up or can Ben Rama play in that position short term? Yeah. Or do we bring, um, make a bid and bring Ayeti back from Celtic? But uh, that's another uh, tweet that made me laugh. WHU Harry one uh, tweeted this just a day ago. Uh, one I saw on, on Twitter. It makes you feel sick. Ayeti has five goals in eight appearances for Celtic. I hate that take. I really hate it. It's like, I know it's, a, it's an age-old cliche. Yeah, of course, the, yeah. the standard. I mean, you're playing against, you know, Hibernian, Kilmarnock, Motherwell defences every week. It's, it's a completely different shout. And to be fair, uh, a lot of people got in on the comments saying he's basically playing in the championship. 
Um, you know, if I, <laughs> I'd have six goals if I played there, and I can run. I can't run faster than a toddler these days. Is from Steve. Um, yeah, so I, I, I don't like the Ayeti take at all, and I, I don't even think it's worth having players like that back up. I know what you're saying. Ah, oh, it's a poor decision, but I just don't think it's worth having players like that as backup. Just like I said about Lanzini before the season, funnily enough, and I was 100% so right know, about that. Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah, yeah. Just um, just quickly before we, we move on, uh, the next six games West Ham have got after Liverpool are Fulham at home, Sheffield United away, Villa at home, Man United at home, Leeds away and Crystal Palace at home. So, again... Josie, like you say there, that will be the test, won't it? Ian Bishop, um, West Ham legend, came out and he wrote a column for The Sun this morning just to take uh, a look back at the West Ham Man City game, obviously having played for both clubs. And he said, you know, David Moyes got the tactics spot on. But he said, even when I was at West Ham, my nine years at West Ham in the 90s, that West Ham always, always, always raised their game against big clubs. And then just lost concentration against the smaller ones. It's almost a, the hallmark or trademark of the club. And I do think that applies to basically any team under the top six is that you're hit and miss. Because if you, if you weren't, then you'd be up in those uh, European spots. But, but he's right, isn't he? That will be, and I hate peddling out cliches like this, but that will be the test, isn't it? If Fulham haven't got a win by then, you know that's exactly what will happen. Chad from Betway put that in our group chat earlier didn't he you can just see it getting a result at Liverpool and then losing at home to Fulham but we'll take those games when they come we've got some uh, it's exciting times for West Ham anyway great position to be in at this stage of the season after the tough start that we've had a little bit of a rundown on what we've got coming up on the show tonight as I mentioned delighted to be joined by West Ham legend Tony Cotty from part two he'll be with us for the best part of the show standing in for Tom Edwards who is swanned off to Portugal for a family wedding this week so great replacement for Tom there with Tony we've got some listener questions to ask him we'll talk to him about the Manchester City game ask him about Declan Rice and his potential new £120,000 a week contract David Moyes of course should he be getting a new contract Mikel Antonio should he be in the England squad I went on radio the other day and uh, tried to start that campaign uh, absolute informed striker at the moment but obviously if his uh, injury doesn't clear up soon then uh, my suggestion will have been useless we'll ask Tony as well about the time he got sent off at Anfield what he makes of the Sebastian Haller situation he'll be having a Betway charity bet to raise money for the West Ham charities that me and the lads are playing for this season football journalist and Liverpool fan George Douglas is on for the opposition view no name that game this week we've frozen the scores and we're having a we'll call it the international break because Tom is out on the international duty and of course we'll wrap up as ever with the West Ham women segment Jonesy excited to speak to Tony in a minute can't wait he was uh, my first hero growing up he was um it's just class goal scorer absolute you know a lot of people forget how many goals he scored throughout his career one of the highest scoring players in, in top flight history in this in this country, uh, if you include you know pre Premier League, and um, yeah, uh, arguably underrated as a as a striker during his career. So yeah, can't wait to speak to him. Um, absolute legend for me. Absolutely, yeah. Be, uh, we've had him on before, of course, and delighted he's agreed to come back and chat to us again. Uh, a bit of housekeeping, as ever. 
before we kick off the show properly. Uh, hello to any new listeners. Like I say, Ted, last week with the uh, listener numbers creeping up in recent weeks. So uh, hello, as always. We appreciate the long-termers, but um, if you're just tuning in to We Are West Ham for the first few times or for the first time this season, welcome. We hope you'll stick with us for the long term. We're giving away a West Ham 2021 season uh, shirt on Twitter at the moment. So an official, the official West Ham uh, shirt, we're giving that away. Go over to Twitter. There's only four days left. We announced the winner on Halloween to go over to our Twitter for the instructions on how to enter that competition to win a shirt from this season. Home, away, third, you choose whatever you fancy. Follow us on Twitter, of course, at we are underscore West Ham. That's where you'll find all the details for the competition as well. Subscribe to our YouTube channel as well. You can watch back every single episode, including last week where we had Tony Carr, of course, and this week, Tony Cotty. The video footage, of course, from this tonight's interview will be available on our YouTube channel. So if you scroll down to the description of this podcast and you'll find the link to our YouTube channel there. Uh, do subscribe and like and, and watch those videos, watch back and you can see our faces as well as hear our voices and see how delighted James is to just be on the Zoom call with me tonight. But James, an absolutely uh, brilliant show coming up and we'll have Tony Cotty, West Ham legendary striker and Sky Sports pundit next. You are still listening to the We Are West Ham podcast with me, Will Pugh, James Jones, and no Tom Edwards this week, sunning himself in Portugal as we speak. But I think all of you at home will agree the man we've brought in to replace him totally trumps him, totally eclipses him, and is certainly has better hair than Tom Edwards. It's none other than 146 goals in 336 West Ham appearances. Irons legend, Tony Cotty. Tony, thanks for joining us again. Wonderful to see you. And as Tom's not here, we can run him down and agree that you are a better replacement. So don't worry about it. <laughs> evening, Will. Evening, James. Yeah, it's good to be back with you, boys. And uh, I must admit, though, if I had a choice of talking to you guys or being in Portugal... I know where I'd rather be, but the problem is you still have to do a quarantine, don't you, when you come back from Portugal. So um, as much as I tried to get there this summer, I couldn't do it because of the quarantine. But no, anyway, it's, it's, it's about football talk, so that's, uh, it's great to be back with you guys. And you've got to talk to us instead. How's your luck? No, that's okay. That's fine. It's not a problem. <laughs> but don't... Straight, straight into it. I mean, it's a pretty good time to be talking West Ham at the moment. You'll know that. Uh, before the season, it was a bit doom and gloom. And understandably, I don't think the fans can be blamed for much of that. But after the, the first six games, eight points, we're only 12th in the league, which, you know, on the face of it is a bit, uh, that's not, not ideal. But the teams we've played, it's a brilliant time, uh, brilliant team performances on the pitch and another great game at the weekend against City. Yeah, it was. Um, you know, I, I must admit, I was one of those sort of uh, doom and gloom merchants at the start of the season. But, but only not doubting the team and the quality we got, but just doubting the fixtures. Because if you looked at that first seven fixtures that we had, and yeah, uh, sometimes I think there's there's someone who's like thinking, oh, I, I, I don't want to get in trouble, but you're thinking like, <laughs> can they can they make it any harder for West Ham in the first seven fixtures? Because uh, you look at the games and. You know, you've mentioned the eight points, which is, uh, you know, a, a fantastic return from the six games we've had. But then what have we got coming up? Liverpool away. And you're thinking, you know, so I think they deserve a lot of credit. 
a bit difficult at times. You know, there's been, as always at West Ham, lots going on. When, you know, Moisey obviously had a bit of COVID recently, which you know, doesn't help when your manager's not about. But they've got on with the job. Uh, there's been some really good performances. I think, you know, except in the Newcastle first game, I think where it was a bit, little bit all over the place, which was surprising really because we've done so well in the lockdown period, didn't we? So, you know, I was expecting us to, you know, maybe get off to a three-point start. And it was the complete opposite. We lost that game. But since then, you know, the boys have done great. And um, I think we're all a lot more optimistic now, aren't we, than what we was at the start of the season. Well, Jonesy will be able to tell you exactly the uh, the stats. I think he's got them tattooed on his on the inside of his arm. The teams we've played on the first game of the season, the last few years. But yeah, we've we've had a few mingers. I think James was it this year the first year in eight or something where we hadn't played one of the top six. Seven actually. Oh, um, seven. Sorry, I told you. I told you. Yeah, we completed the the set of the top six last year. Didn't we with City. Um, but yeah, this year was the first year, and we still lost, didn't we? But it was um, the, the run since, even after that Arsenal game where the, the form improved, it was it, it's just been it's been brilliant. But Tony, where do you, what, how do you think that the with Moyes getting COVID, and everyone thought it was going to be terrible after that, and you know how are we how are we going to get on with two players with COVID, managers out with COVID? Yeah. What, how do you think that that shows the you know the togetherness of the squad that even without the manager there, the, the coaching staff's come together. Do you think we can read a lot into that? Or is it just, you know, because of the technology that, you know, it, it was kind of business as usual? Well, I think the technology obviously makes it a, a lot easier nowadays, doesn't it? I mean, look at us now, we're having a chat and that, you know, I'm sitting at home, you guys are sitting at home. You know, it, it makes life so much easier for everyone, doesn't it? So I'm pretty certain that... that um, David Moyes would have been in constant touch. He probably would have been able to stream the game or watch the game on, as a live game, whatever the case was, and, and be in constant uh, contact with the staff. I mean, we saw pictures of him. We obviously talked to Stuart Pearce, sat at the back of the stand, and you can get your message across. You know, in the old days, you know, I remember, I do remember the great John Lowell missing one day, and he, he was off with flu, and he, that was it. You know, you, you didn't see him for 10 days, and, and then he came back, and he just literally left the... The, um, the, the coaching to, to Mick McGiven and Ronnie Boyce and that. And uh, funny enough, I can't believe I've just said that because the game I'm talking about is was Liverpool away. We went up and we lost 6-0 to Liverpool back in 1984. And that was because the manager was ill. So that, that's, that's not very good timing, is it? Bearing in mind who we're, we're going to be playing at the weekend. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, things, things are different. And I, I think it was all a little bit apprehensive, but, you know, yeah, Moisey's Moisey's done a really good job, and I, I think the he's got his staff in place now, and I think what the challenge has been for him is to is to get the team to play as a team. You know, there's no doubt, and we've got good players. I don't think anyone can really say. If you look at if, if you analyse every single squad in the Premier League and write down one to twenty five, and you analysed every squad, you you would say West Ham. All right, listen, we ain't going to get the Champions League. We know that, but you you wouldn't put me in the bottom three in terms of the quality of the squad. But what you have to do as a manager, you have to bring it all together. You've got to get them playing as a team. You know, and I think there was obviously periods before the manager arrived where lots of good individuals and you know there wasn't a good team there. So, you know, I, I think they all deserve great credit. Um, it's been a, a really, really good start to the season. I you know I've enjoyed watching the games and watching some of the goals. Um, you know, the Leicester game was a was a really good game, wasn't it? And you know, other good good mm. results we've had along the way. So um yeah, I'm really pleased with how it's been going. So no real surprise really that despite the manager being missing, we've still managed to carry on. 
Yeah, I th- I, th- I totally agree with you, Tony, on that one. I think the the Moyes factor. I th- I just think massive respect to him. He came in to to a bit of a storm, to be honest, didn't he? There was a, obviously the uh, unrest towards the board, which has been there before and had nothing to do with David, really. But there was also that you know, there's no denying it. There was quite a bit of anger among the fans, saying, "Well, no one wanted him." You know, you're just going back to the cheap option again. No one wanted him in between his spells with us. And there was a bit of disgruntlement about David coming back on board. And he's responded to that in the most professional way possible and the best way possible by ignoring it all, getting his head down and bringing the team together. He's really popular among the players by all accounts and and actually turning some some results on the team. So I I think do you think that that that's just always what he was going to do or do you think Stuart Pearce and having Kevin Nolan around him as well that that they're all a big part of that? No, but they're all a big part of it because he's obviously you've got the whole of the coaching squad um, but I think what David Moyes did do well when he left the club when they decided they weren't going to keep him he, he left with his head held high he'd done a good job he kept the club in the Premier League and there must have been a part of him actually thinking do you know what like I haven't finished what I was doing. I was trying to build something here and you've got rid of me. And of course, the man they appointed, said it at the time, I sat against you guys, was never the right man anyway. And, you know, David must have just been sitting at home thinking, well, you know, I should have been doing that job. Um, you know, he, he, he didn't he didn't upset the club when he left. He didn't say derogatory things. He just got on with it, kept his head down, which probably worked in his favour. And then, of course, when it came up with the manager's job being vacant again, you know, that he was always going to be a strong contender because he'd done such a good job last time. And, you know, to be fair to the to the board and the owners, they swallowed their pride a little bit because I'm sure it would have been hard for them to reappoint the guy. To, to bring him up, or, yeah. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, it was the right decision. You know, it was the wrong decision not to let him get on with it. And, you know, I think as West Ham fans, we're all West Ham fans. Everyone who's going to watch this, I'm a West Ham fan. Everyone's a West Ham fan. And we, we've got to got to be realistic of where we are as a football club and you know we're we're trying to rebuild and we're, we're doing that in the environment of a new atmosphere and a new you know a new stadium which say new stadium we've been there four years now and it's gone so quickly but you know we're trying to re-establish the club as a, you know certainly as a top 10 team but you know going forward a team that's going to try and compete to get into Europe every season now to do that you need obviously you need good players but you need the stability in the management side of things. You can't keep chopping and changing managers. You can't say, well, he, don't, he didn't do very good this year. Let's get rid of him, get someone else in. Because the problem is someone else comes in and they don't like that player, don't like that player. And then you then bring in other players and then he gets the sack after a year. And then you bring another manager who doesn't like those players and the players up in there. And it's just chaos. And we've seen it with so many clubs. They just chop and change the managers. West Ham's always been a club where the manager's been given time um, you know, been given the opportunity to 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 groom a team and bring everyone together and piece all the all the parts of the jigsaw, which is so difficult nowadays. And it's so competitive. You could you, you mentioned the league table. You only got to look at the league table and see how topsy turvy it is. Some of the results that have been coming in. You know, there's a real opportunity for a team to get it together and really have a good season this year. And I hope under the stewardship of David Moyes that we will go in the right direction because that's what we all want. But We've got to be realistic, you know. We, we all want the club to be successful, um, you know. And it was bitterly disappointing to get knocked out by Everton in the League Cup because we'd all like a nice cut run. But it's going to take time, and we all need to support the manager and hopefully let him take the club forward over the next two, three, four seasons, whatever that might be. 
and at least it wasn't like a Macclesfield or an Oxford United or a, a lower league no. team. I said that, I remember we did our season preview, James, didn't we? And we said then, mm. you know, as everyone says, oh, it'd be nice to have a cup run. And yeah, it would. But we said then, you know what, it'd just be nice to go out to a team who's likely to finish above you in the Premier League. And one where it isn't embarrassing <laughs> and all over the, the newspapers, which we did. But um, on, on the league form, Tony, the City game at the weekend, we I thought we were really good. One of your old teammates, Ian Bishop, um, wrote a column this morning and he came out and said that he thought David Moyes had the got the tactics spot on, that he won the tactical battle over Pep. Um, he was saying at the time how, you know, when during his time at, at West Ham and ever since, that we, we always raise our game against the bigger clubs. But it's not been the case the last few seasons, certainly against Manchester City at the London Stadium. What did you make of the game? I've got to be honest with you, boys. I didn't see the game live, and, and not because I didn't want to see the game. But I, um, my game at the weekend was Millwall Barnsley. That sounds a real crap, doesn't it? You know. But so I was sent to Millwall. I think they do as a punishment every now and again. But um, uh, so I was tra- I was travelling and listening to the game on the radio, and you know it, it, it's it's hard to make a judgment when you didn't actually watch the game. Um, I saw the highlights. Obviously, I've seen uh, Mikel's fantastic goal. Um, you know, but it sounds like we've done well. We, you know, and it's a vast improvement on last year. You know, we, we touched on it. James touched on it. The first game of the season, we get walloped five 0 home by Man City. You know, they're not the sort of results that you you want to be having. Yeah, of course you can. Anyone could lose to City, to Liverpool, Man United, etc. But it's the way you lose, and it's the, by the amount that you lose. You know, so to get a draw, I think in in the circumstances, I think it's a really really good point for us, and it, it just helps us to build. And, and, and these are bonus points that we've been getting because they're, they're games that normally you'd look at and say, wow, that's a really tough game. And it was a tough game. You know, I actually fancy us at Liverpool next week. I think we've got a real, real good chance of taking Liverpool on. And, and it's hard to say you go there and win because we don't do it very often at Liverpool. But I think, you know, with Van Dijk missing and, you know, Liverpool not quite firing and all cylinders, made hard work with Sheffield United the other day. I think we've got the ability and the confidence there to go and give them a real game. So, you know, to to, to be unbeaten against City at, at the weekend, um, you know, I think that was a really, really good point. Tony, do you think that the the, the home form is going to be, particularly without fans, I mean, a lot of people have said there's been a lot of, <laughs> a lot of debate whether fans not being in stadiums has, has, has improved Um some teams at home that, that may have had like negative atmospheres. We all know that there has been negative atmosphere at London Stadium, but the fact that we've not been battered by City at home for the first time ever in that ground, <laughs> do you think that? Do you think that, that that it plays a part? And do you think that just generally fans not being there in general has played a part in in the starts of the season we've had? I'm not saying that's that's the sole reason why, but you know, part of me thinks that particularly at home, it's made a difference. Yeah, I, I think you've got a fair point, James. I think it's it's been a bit of a leveller uh, for teams. You know, some of the results. I mean, you know, you never would have. I don't mean, anyone would have bet on Villa seven, Liverpool two, would they? Mm. You know, Spurs one, Man United six. You know, even even Leicester nil, West Ham three. You know, people wouldn't have put money on those sorts of results, would they? You know, um, so. I, you know, I, I was just saying to you boys before we we started this interview that you know I was at Arsenal Leicester. Um, on Sunday evening and um, it, you're going to the game uh, I went to the game to do the commentary for Leicester and you're at the match and you know very few people have been to Premier League games you know it's only a select few because of the circumstances and, and it's only 300 people can be in the ground at any one time or whatever you know so it's like it, 
it's it's just eerie atmosphere it really is because you're sitting there and i'm doing the commentary and normally you've got the, the the roar of the crowd around you and everyone's shouting and hollering and screaming and whatever and, and with that game it was just you can hear all the players talking you can hear the manager shouting you can hear the coaches shouting everything is it's so different um it's, you know I, I had experience of that sort of scenario as a young kid playing in the what was the old football combination as a reserve player when I was 16 years of age and I was just breaking into the team and it was great experience for me because I had Trevor Brooking was injured and Frank Lampard Senior was injured and they was playing in the reserve to get fit to go back in the first team and I'm playing at Upton Park as a 16 year old I'm wow as a fan this is like this is a dream come true type of thing but there were no fans and as a result of it you're playing at the the best stadium that you want to play at, but you can hear everything the manager says, everything the coach, you can even hear your dad shouting, oh, stick it in the net, Tony. You know, <laughs> it, 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 was, it, was a, it was a sort of bizarre, really, because there's hardly anyone in the ground, and it, it takes me back to those days. So, um, you know, I'm waffling on a little bit about it, but I think it, it just emphasises the point that we all know that football is really, it's nothing without the fans. You know, I think it's, it's the best game in the world, but if you don't have supporters there, it changes the atmosphere it changes the dynamics and as a result of that you don't really have a home or an away team it's almost like you're playing like in the old days when there was crowd trouble or whatever you, you you'd say right well go and play at a neutral venue and sometimes it was behind closed doors or something and that's it's almost got that sort of feel about it the Premier League where it's it is like a neutral venue and as a result of that you know, has it worked in West Ham's favour I don't know really. I don't know what the, what the answer is to that because yeah, if, if West Ham are struggling at home, there can be a little bit of an atmosphere. But you know, on the other end, if West Ham are doing well or the fans see something that excites them, they're the best fans in the world, and it's the best atmosphere mm. in the world. So it's it's a hard one to call. But I think unfortunately we're all sort of stuck with it. Certainly for the next couple, two to three months, I'm guessing maybe longer. You know, where sadly the fans aren't going to be a part of what's going on, and it's been such an exciting Premier League season to start with so far, and. Our club, as always, has been topsy-turvy and you wouldn't expect anything else as a West Ham fan. Absolutely. I remember I did some, uh, what you're saying there about the broadcast stuff. Um, when you're in the stadium, I did some broadcast stuff for uh, the Bournemouth game, the pre-season friendly. We had the Betway Cup. And yeah. for once, and you're in there, and for the first time, as, as in compared to fans, when you're saying these things, everyone else in the press box can hear you. Everyone, anyone who's there can hear what you're saying, where usually you're surrounded by fans yeah. and it's only the people on the other end of the mic. And you all of a sudden become really aware of what you're saying. I had a couple of the West Ham press people sitting alongside me. I didn't really want to run them down too much, even though they were conceding goal after goal, because you think everyone's listening to what I'm saying in it. Yeah, but, um, it's a bizarre experience. I had the same, exactly the same with Arsenal and that. You know, I'm thinking, well, I've got all of the Arsenal media and some people around me. And I'm commentating for Leicester, and the Leicester goal's gone in, and obviously I've cheered like it was Jamie Vardy scored. And you think, well, perhaps I shouldn't have shouted that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Perhaps I think taking your shirt off and twirling it around your head was a bit too yeah, much, though, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> um, one, one excellent goal uh, from Jamie Vardy, of course, for, the, for Leicester against Arsenal. What was a pretty dull game. But Mikel Antonio's goal was absolutely fantastic against Manchester City. He's really, really coming into his own. Jonesy, we asked the We Are West Ham listeners earlier didn't we a, a bold question uh, I went on the radio at the weekend to talk about the West Ham game after the excellent point at City Tony and one of the things I was talking about was of course Antonio he's you know his dad died 
in March and a really hard time for him personally. And then since then, he's been the, if not one of the best strikers in the Premier League. The lockdown, obviously, before the end of last season, almost single-handedly kept us up. And then he's carried on that excellent form into this season. And he's He's not. He's no longer that sort of versatility man as as people viewed him before. He's the number one main man leading the line for West Ham. And I asked, um, I sort of put it to uh, the guys I was chatting to on Talksport, was that you know does Mikel Antonio deserve uh, some recognition from Gareth Southgate? Is he offering more? for West Ham than perhaps Tammy Abraham is at the moment? And could he offer more to that England squad? We all know Harry Kane and Dominic Calvert-Lewin are getting in and Danny Ings as well deserves his spot. But I think Mikel Antonio, I feel like he gives something a bit different to Tammy Abraham. Before we get your thoughts on that, Tony, Jonesy, did uh, we ask the question of the We Are West Ham listeners on Twitter earlier on and the grin on your face um, tells me that the the results are, are pretty interesting. Well, I mean, it's it's almost a landslide. I mean, I suppose it is a bit of a biased view from West Ham fans, but seventy-four um, percent say yes, he should be getting recognition for from Gareth Southgate. Twenty-six percent say no. Um, Rob McLean's commented, "With how fragile he is now, along with his desire to get a four-year deal, I doubt he'd even want the extra games." Which, I mean, I'm sure he'd just want at least one call-up or one cap under his belt before he even thinks about. Another injury. And, he did uh, have Lebrun- the call up under Allardyce, didn't he? He did, yeah. He didn't get on though. He hasn't got a cap yet, has he? Um, and Lebrun Yabis, Southgate won't pick him. He's too old for the squad. Plus, he, was, he doesn't pick players on form. He's a bit of a dig at Southgate. Um, so, yeah. Uh, but, I'm, I mean, surely he deserves at least another call up, given the form he's in. What do you make of that, Tony? Yeah, I mean, listen, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Mikel. I think he's, a, he's, a, he's an excellent player. Um, you said about him being a utility player, and I would agree with that. I think over the years he's, he seems to have played in every position. I, I liken him to like Roy the Rovers. Like, I don't know whether you boys, he might be a bit too young to remember Roy the Rovers, but you know he was sort of like the all-action heroic sort of player that could play in every position and always scored loads of goals. And I think you know Mikel's to me he's a bit like that. And, you know, you, I get the impression he could play in goal if he wanted to. You know, like if the goal he got sent off and. The, the, our, our sub goalie was injured or something, and you know he would be the one to go in goal. <laughs> he's that type of player, but I mean he, he's been his performances have been fantastic. Um, I, I think he's been a lot more consistent. I think the, there's been times in the past where he gets the ball, and it, I, I I love players that run with the ball and make things happen. And I think there's been times in the past where he's got the ball, he's run, he's bit two or three maybe not really known what he's going to do with it afterwards. You know, there's no real end product to that, and I think. What he has done, he's, he's now brought the end product into play. Um, and quite simply, at the moment, I know, I think he got injured, didn't he? I, I don't know how bad the injury is or whether he just came off or he tired of anything. But he, am I right, boys? I think he did get substituted, didn't he? At the weekend. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Hamstring. Yeah, so listen, if he's done his hamstring, that's not good news because quite simply, his performances have meant that he is by far and away the club's number nine at the moment. And, you know, that's how do you replace Mikel Antonio? You know, the answer is we can't do that at the moment. You know, you've got obviously some Sebastian Haller's going to come into the team, I'm guessing. And then we're going to have to play a different way to, to make up for him being in the team and play to his strengths. But the one thing uh, Seb's not going to do, he's not really going to get in behind. He hasn't got that pure strength and pace and aggression that causes so many problems for defenders. You know, you mentioned Jamie Vardy, similar thing where defenders act. They hate playing against the Vardy. 
hate playing against Antonio. I hate playing against someone like a Harry Kane who can get in behind. And, you know, that's that's the problem we're going to have is how do you replace Mikel Antonio? His goal was fantastic. You know, it was strength, you know, holding off the defender, awareness, and then, of course, the technique, you know, which is often the, the hard part to do. You know, a lot of players get into the, the position to, to get a strike on goal and then it goes miles over the bar or whatever. But those sort of goals, they come along every once in a blue moon, you know. Um, you score any like that, Tony? I, I did, yeah. I've done a tweet at the weekend saying, welcome to the overhead kit to Mikel, <laughs> like the, the overhead kit club, I might add. And, uh, of course, we all remember Andy Carroll's one against Palace, what was it, three years ago. And uh, my one was well before your time, you boys. You know, back in 88, I think it was, we were a nice sort of bicycle kick in the top corner against Forest. So, uh, but like I said, it was the only one I ever got. So, it's, it's not that they come along every week. You know, they, you, you practice them in training. And you try and sort of put yourself in positions where, you know, you, what if this happens? What if that happens? You know, what if I got my back to goal? Whatever. And, and you, you, you practice all these scenarios of trying to get goals from obscure positions, if you like. And he would have practiced that, you know. But invariably in training, as I say, they're going over the bar or you miss kick it or it's the defender or whatever. But he got everything right with that. It was a great cross in, by the way. And he, he just improvised and a really, really good goal from Mikel. But if he's out for a little while, if it's his hamstring, it's a big if, I don't know. But hamstring's normally a six weeks and that means six weeks without Mikel Antonio. We're going to have to adapt and find a system that works for us going forward. Absolutely. I think the, um, it was a, I believe it was just a strain at the weekend. David Moyes played it down after the game. But some reports coming out tonight suggesting it might be a little bit worse. Uh, than worse feared. Not a full pull, uh, we understand, but yeah. um, reports are literally coming out. Two or three weeks, isn't it? Well, you know, whatever way you look at it, it's going to be two or three weeks. Which yeah, exactly. Well, well, Tony, if, uh, we, we, if you don't mind, we'll, we'll stake you, uh, we'll keep you with us um, just for a few more minutes after this segment to have a look at the Liverpool game. So I do want to ask you about Sebastian Heller, but just uh, one oh. quick one before we wrap up. The segment, uh, the the news and headlines this week. Obviously, it's been a lot of mainly reaction from the good point from West Ham and and some positive reaction from pundits and fans alike. But some separate news stories, uh, rumours of a David Moyes being offered a new contract at the end of the season. I think it's clear from what you said uh, already on the podcast that you know you think stability is key and that David Moyes is doing a good job. So. I think you and along with certainly uh, me and Jonesy and a lot of West Ham fans wouldn't begrudge that. But news of uh, Declan Rice's new contract, £120,000 a week being reported, double his current sixty grand haul. I think he's two and a half years into a five and a half year deal. Me and James, or uh, me in particular, I was clamouring at the beginning of the season uh, or sort of over the summer to give him a new deal already regardless of what happened with the Chelsea stuff um, and it seems that, that that's going to happen within the next few weeks hopefully I think with with that sort of thing Tony Carr we had Tony Carr on uh, last week some great insight on Declan from Tony and he was he was saying the same sort of thing why would you why would you leave obviously he deserves a new contract he is the best player at the football club and therefore his salary should reflect that I'm certainly an advocate of that regardless of his age um, do you feel that uh, if we give him that new contract and if he gets it, do you feel that would be more of a just securing his value and that you, you know, you're kind of uh, accepted that he, he will leave in perhaps the next year or so? Or do you think, no, that's, that's step one, uh, which is needed of uh, the future captain and, and someone who could be there for the long term? Well, I was asked the question at the start of the season, you know, name the players that 
you would sign. Actually, it was the end of end of last season, whenever the the, you know, the season finished, and that in between the, the start of this season, okay. I said I'd sign three players. I said first one is Suchek. Um, you know, he'd done fantastically well. I said the second one I'd sign is Declan Rice, get him on a new contract, and the third one, probably just as importantly, is David Moyes. Because the thing is, if you're asking a player to sign a five-year deal, how can you ask a player to sign a five-year deal if the manager's only got one year left on his contract? It, it, it's, it's complete nonsense. It really is. Like, you know, you cannot have a manager on a one-year deal. You know, they need to tie David Moyes down. And, and people say, well, yeah, but what about if it goes wrong, you know, halfway through next season or something? There's a simple answer to that. You just have a little get-out clause that says that he doesn't get paid four years' contracts. He gets paid a year's contract. It's the easiest thing to do. But you can't be asking players to sign for a football club when the manager's only got a year left. He's not even a year, is it? He's, he's up in mm. June next year. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> it's absolute madness. you know. So <clears throat> David Moyes, firstly, deserves a new contract. And secondly, you need to tie the manager down to be able to ask a player to sign a five-year deal. And with regards to Deck, like, listen, you don't need me to tell you. De- Deck's a fantastic player. He's, a, you know, he's the captain of West Ham at the moment with Mark Noble not playing. You know, but what Deck needs, he needs a team to be built around him. And to do that, you need a manager who's going to build the team around him. And I'm, in David Moyes, I think they will do that. You know, Deck needs to see the team improving. He needs to see the club going in the right direction. And, you know... It, what what he doesn't want is a relegation fight like with what we had last season. That's he's better than that, enough. isn't he? He's better than that, absolutely. He's now a regular in the England team as well, and he's still only a young kid. You know, we need to keep him at West Ham, and to do that, first and foremost, giving the wages, whatever it is, doesn't matter, just giving the wages. And also, by doing that, if you tie him down on a five-year deal, for example, you also protect the asset. You're then saying to someone like Chelsea, if you're going to come in and buy this player, you are going to have to pay silly money to get this player out of this football mm. club. If he's only got two and a half years or two years left or his contract's winding down, the value of the player goes down the whole time. So it's a common sense, no-brainer for the club to give A, Declan Rice a new contract, B, David Moyes a new contract. It has to happen, should have happened at the start of the season. Get on with it. What's the delay? I don't understand it. Absolutely. Words of wisdom, if ever we've heard them on the We Are West Ham podcast. They might be the first words of wisdom we've had on this show all year, actually, Jonesy, I think. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> now, plenty from uh, Tony Cotty this week, plenty from Tony Carr last week, of course, hoping to bring you a few more guests in the weeks to come. But, uh, Tony, if you don't mind, we'll keep you for just for a few more minutes, have a look at the uh, Liverpool game, and hopefully you can help me and uh, the boys continue to raise some money for our West Ham charities this season. Stay with us for all of that next. You are still listening to the We Are West Ham podcast with me, Will Pugh, James Jones and Tony Cotty. That's got such a better ring to it than Will Pugh, James Jones and Tom Edwards, but uh, and he'll be listening on his way back from Portugal in the week so uh, and I'm not sorry actually to be quite honest with you <laughs> but uh, Tony the Liverpool game coming up at the weekend words of wisdom from you there on Declan Rice and David Moyes I think anyone listening will agree with uh, with your sentiments there but Liverpool game coming up going into it with loads and loads of confidence Tony Carr last week said bring on Man City and he was right got an excellent point and um, before we go into the game I uh, I seem to remember from sitting watching when I was when I was very young 
the uh, a VHS tape I used to watch on repeat over and over again. You do. You, you already know, yeah. don't you? The ninety four yeah. ninety five season review. Uh, your, <laughs> I believe it was your first game back at West Ham in your second spell, and you got sent off for one of the greatest tackles I've ever seen on uh, <laughs> current ink. The Rob Jones, wasn't it? The Liverpool right back. <laughs> Uh, the thing is, well, I think anyone who watched me play will know that I couldn't tackle when I did tackle. <laughs> I've done my best to avoid tackling. Um, but no, I, I think, um, I mean, bearing in mind, I, I obviously re, you know, re-signed for the club from Everton. So playing against Liverpool yeah, it was obviously a big deal for me. It was my second debut up at Anfield. And, um, you know, we were doing really well. We was holding them and nil-nil. And uh, I was quite clearly fouled. And uh, I think the red mist sort of descended and I, I had a bit of a lunge at Rob Jones. I didn't actually touch him. It, it, it probably looked a lot worse than, than what it was. But, you know, even back in the mid-90s when you was allowed to be a little bit more physical, I think looking back, I've seen it a few times, I think probably <laughs> fair the red card. I got what I deserved. And uh, um, I think the, the, the luckiest thing for me was that the actual foul was literally 10 yards in front of the, the tunnel where the players come out. So I looked up the referee's red card and I thought, oh no, what have you done? And I'm thinking, good news is I've got a 10 yards walk. And I was sort of walking down the tunnel, all the Liverpool fans are waving me. I thought, oh no, it was just a, it was an absolute nightmare. And not only that, I, I got a free game ban as well, which in those days started about two weeks after the actual offence. So you had to wait two weeks before it kicked in. Um, but luckily for me, the following Saturday, before the ban kicked in, we played at home to Aston Villa. It was my... Uh, second home debut for the club and we beat Aston Villa 1-0 and I scored the only goal so I think as annoyed as the fans would have been I got sent off at Hanford I think it's fair to say I made up for it the following week and then I had my free game ban on my head so. but not particularly happy memories I've got to say <laughs> no no it was uh, we did we did actually hold on for the 0-0 that game we did yeah, yeah so uh, one of our better results uh, at Anfield in history but yeah for uh, anyone listening at home who hasn't seen that uh, tackle it's worth digging into YouTube Tony takes no, off from, uh, <laughs> from, from the middle of the pitch and yeah. makes uh, didn't quite make contact but um, Flew into Rob Jones right on the touchline. It's something to behold. Jonesy, um, the Sebastian Haller situation, he's likely to uh, come back in and replace Antonio if, as it looks like, he's not going to be available for Anfield. We'll obviously get Tony's thoughts on it in a minute. Are you are you nervous? Are you nervous about having him come back in? Because it just seems, although we paid a lot of money for him, he doesn't really fit in the current system. Well, no, we, we spoke about earlier on, didn't we, that, you know, He's not a like-for-like replacement for Antonio. And Antonio's made that role his own. Tony just said a minute ago, he's, he's now the club's leading number nine. And Haller doesn't have that those, those attributes. So it, we either change the way we play to accommodate him or you, you find another player that can do it. Maybe Sid Ben Rama, as I said before, could, could potentially you know, be a little bit better at that role than, than Haller could do. But you know, I did say as well that, I don't know whether Tony agrees with me, that we're putting a lot more balls in the box at the moment. Maybe we can still close, you know, have some kind of close resemblance to the system we're playing with those balls in the box, play to Hallis' strengths that way. Um, but it is, it is quite worrying that you know, we're not going to have, or we're potentially not going to have someone like Antonio leading the line for the coming weeks because he has been so effective. And I just don't, I just don't know whether Hallis is that, that man. You know, he, he's proven he can score goals, but is he that man in that system that's worked for the last what, six, seven weeks? What do you do then, Tony, if you're in the driving seat 
and you've got the players available. Assume Mikhail Antonio is out because it looks like he is. How do you how do you work with it? Do you put in the the best replacement you can, which some people are saying might be a Yarmolenko or James has mentioned Ben Rama then, or do you go no right lads? I know this this system's worked, but we've got Sebastian up front this week, and so we need to change. What, what do you do if you're if you're pulling the strings? I think there's no doubt that David Moyes has got reservations about Sebastian Haller. Absolutely no doubt about that. Because, you know, if if he was a huge fan of him, he would have found a way to have accommodated him in, into the team. Mm. Um, how do you judge Haller? I, I, I don't know the answer to that one. Because since he's been at the club, you know, I, I think at times the service hasn't been brilliant into him. Um, he hasn't really had a partner up front. And you know, listen, I'm still a big fan of playing two up front. I, I think whatever system you want to play, you want to play three at the back, four at the back, whatever, play four in midfield, five in midfield, whatever you want to play, there's always room for two forwards. And I, I like to see two forwards on the field of play because it, it causes much more problems for the opposing defence. And, you know, like Haller really needs a smaller type of player up front alongside him, you know, but obviously those sort of, Poacher strikers, uh, those days seem to be gone. They're few and far between, even if you want to buy one. Um, I think he'll have a real dilemma come the weekend, David Moyes. I think he'll have a real think about what he's going to do. I'll tell you what wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me if he, if he doesn't play Haller, keeps him back as a substitute, perhaps push Jared Bowen up as a centre-forward, which he's played for Hull and then bring Ben Rama on in that number 10 role and let him roam around in the midfield. And then behind that, you've got your, your bank of five, you've got your bank of three, and then just let those two up front and then just basically play counter-attack football. And I think there's no better example, and I know I keep harping on about it, but the, the way Leicester played Arsenal the other night was absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Because they, on, just put, they put bodies behind it. They had a game plan. The game plan was you defend in numbers, you defend deep. They knew they had their star man to come on the field of play. All right, we haven't got Jamie Vardy to come on the field of play. But if we're, if we're struggling in the last few 20 minutes or whatever, then you could bring Haller on, launch the ball forward, get the ball in the box, etc. So I think he'll have a real choice to make, David Moyes. My, my gut feeling, although Haller probably should play, I wouldn't be surprised if he plays Bowen up front and brings Ben Rama in. And for all those West Ham fans out there who perhaps haven't seen a lot of Ben Rama, Trust me, this boy is a real top, top player. We haven't really replaced uh, Pyatt since he left. We all know how good Pyatt was. I don't want to put too much pressure on him, but this boy is, is, is he potentially could be as good as uh, Pyatt. That's how good Ben Rahm is. You know, can he do it in the Premier League? That's obviously the big question. But I've seen enough of him to know he's got good skills, good feet, creative, makes things happen. You know, would... Would it be better if Antonio was playing up front with him? Yeah, of course it would. But, you know, we're not going to have to deal with that. But when this boy gets a chance, as long as he's fit, ready to go, and I think the West Ham fans are in for a real treat. That is uh, certainly what uh, West Ham fans and listeners of the We Are West Ham podcast will love to hear. Comparisons with Dimitri Payet, of course, not made lightly. Potentially, from, uh... potentially will. Potentially. <laughs> <laughs> we'll put that in capitals. We'll put that in capital letters. We'll put the potentially in, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, obviously, I think it is promising. It is certainly exciting. You do wonder, and I do feel I do feel quite sorry for Halle. I think it's worth remembering that at Eintracht Frankfurt, he was playing next to Jovic, who got signed by Real Madrid 
So he hasn't got that quality of player playing alongside him anymore. I think it was Rebic as well um, who was playing on the other side in that attacking trio. It was sort of two world-class or certainly European-class players playing alongside him, which he hasn't had. And I do feel a bit bad for him. And you wonder where it leaves him if, if when the number one striker doesn't play, if the yeah, people will always talk about him costing 45 million. <laughs> But mm. if, if he doesn't well, fit it will in tell the system... Him, it will tell him everything, won't it? If he doesn't get picked at Anfield, it will tell him that, you know, he knows the writing's on the wall. He knows what the manager feels about him. It comes back to my point, doesn't it, about changing managers, different managers bringing different players, and a new manager comes in and says, you know what, he might be a good player, but it's not really the type of football and the way I want to play the game. So I think, you know, if I'm Sebastian Haller, I'll be looking and thinking, come on right now, Antonio's done really well. I'm sure he'll tell everyone that. This is my time. I want to be in the team. And if he's not in the team, then uh, I think that's going to tell him everything. Yeah, and I, th- I think it's okay sometimes, you know, for clubs too. And there will inevitably be some negative press if, if Haller goes for and we only get 20 million or 25 million, whatever. But I think sometimes it's okay to cut your losses, isn't it? The, you know, I, I, mm. it reminds me of the Soldado at Spurs situation. They spent 30 odd million quid, which was probably about the same amount of money at the time and, and it just didn't work that happens sometimes I think it's Torres okay at Chelsea Fernando Torres at Chelsea brilliant at Liverpool it didn't quite work at Chelsea did it I mean you could argue he scored a few important goals but you know sometimes it happens teams pay a lot of money for players and for many many reasons it doesn't work out you know but we'll, we'll have to see how it plays out but obviously from West Ham's point of view it was a huge outlay on the striker yeah fingers crossed but look we uh, to move on as we look ahead to the Liverpool game this week, as we always do, Betway have provide a, provided us, as they always do each week, with £50 per head uh, to lay a bet, a charity bet on the West Ham game, the upcoming West Ham game. And any winnings go to the three West Ham charities that me and the boys are playing for this season. James Jones is playing for the DT38, Dylan Tom Beattie's foundation, me for the Bobby Moore Cancer Fund and Tom Edwards for Isla's fight. Uh, money towards Isla Cater's fight against Neuroblastoma and I'm delighted to say uh, as last week with Tony Carr, Chad from Betway, uh, you'll all know him listening to the podcast has kindly agreed to put up another 50 quid charity stake this week so our star guest on the We Are West Ham podcast, Tony Cotty can have a go as well and any money that Tony wins will be split across all three charities. So thanks very much to Chad for that. Jonesy, last week, uh, we didn't have any winners for the first week in a couple of weeks and we weren't even close. I think Tony Carr was probably the closest with his guess of a two-all draw, uh, Riyad Mahrez to score and more than eight corners. Um, The rest of us were miles away. I had Aguero to score two or more um, and a couple of other selections he went off at half time you had uh, more than three and a half goals Antonio to score Cresswell to be carded and Tom had West Ham to win and again he was he was absolutely miles off no luck but a um, bit more bit more confident this week uh, well uh, I'm confident I don't know about don't know about you mate but yeah I'm given my win a couple of weeks ago in the in the Spurs game um I'm flying now and I, f- I fancy it this week. I definitely fancy us to at least one of us to get a win. Um, should we start with you, Will, for, yep, for, your, for your selections? 
So my selections for Liverpool game Saturday evening at Anfield is Thomas Suchek to score any time over 4.5 total bookings or cards in the game and a penalty awarded at some point. The price as usual for those bets will come out later in the week. They'll be tweeted on the We Are West Ham Twitter account and uh, listeners of the We Are West Ham podcast and all West Ham fans in fact can go onto the Betway website under the pre-built uh, bet your way bets and find the We Are West Ham bets. Uh, Jonesy, what have you gone for? I've gone for Kufau to be carded. He's already picked up two yellow cards in his West Ham career and I think up against Liverpool's front three, it'll be, be busy. Um, uh, Jared Barrett to score. Um, I backed him to score in the Leicester game and he got that towards the end. And I think, particularly if, if, if Tony's prediction's right and he does play up front, he's got a better chance of getting on the score sheet and he's due a goal having not scored over the last couple of games. And over three and a half goals, you know, there's always goals where, where Liverpool are concerned. And, um, and you know, we're, we're scoring a lot of goals as well. So, yeah, I fancy there'd be goals in that one. And Tom, in his absence, has gone for both teams to score uh, over 8.5 corners and West Ham to win. So, uh, once again, Tom seemingly disinterested with winning any money, <laughs> money for himself. Tony, we... Uh, we, we, we to boil it down a little bit um, for the guests. So well, we've been asked by Betway just to ask you three simple questions. So from you, um, hopefully to win some money for us this week, uh, we need win, lose or draw. So West Ham, win, uh, draw or defeat? Well, I've already said I fancy us to get a result. Um, the problem is without Antonio, it just I was confident of a win. Oh, I don't know whether to go or draw, but I'll, I'll be optimistic. Go on, West Ham win. West, West Ham, Ham. Nice. West Ham win from Tony Cotty and a goal scorer from either team. Any time goal scorer. Um, I was going to go Jared Bowen and James has put me off here. So, um, yeah, go on. I stick with me, Jared Bowen. Whatever's in my head, I'm not going to change it because you, you told me you was going to ask the questions. I'm not going to change it because it's the worst thing to do. So, Jared Bowen uh, to Excellent. score. Yeah. And more or less than eight corners in the game. No, less than eight corners. Less than eight corners. Less than, Less eight, than eight corners. Eight. Liverpool are not a, really a corner team and West Ham, uh, I don't know, it's, it's tough at Anfield. So, yeah, I'll go less than eight. Excellent stuff. Excellent stuff. Well, that's uh, all four of our bets locked in. That's £200 of charity stakes uh, from Betway this week for the charity bets. Fingers crossed we can keep the money rolling in. Jonesy, I think once uh, Betway have agreed to double our money at the end of the season, so I believe all in with that, we're at about the 500-odd quid mark at the moment after a few games, which is pretty good going. Yeah, I think yeah, if you include Betway matching it, I think we're, I think we're 550, 560 between the three of us. Although, although 120 of that was, was free money after they kindly gave me and Tom 60 quid each for... for Taking so ages narrowly to missing win any out. money, Tony. So it's narrowly missing out on the Leicester game. <laughs> uh, for, to, for, Tony, for Tony's benefit, we, we actually... We were all going to win in the Leicester game, um, win some money for our charities, but Leicester's disallowed goal meant that Tom and I didn't win our bet in the end because we had both teams to score in that. And it was oh, right, the last yeah. kick of the game. So Betway yeah. kindly... Because Will won his that that week for sixty yeah. quid. Bet, bet way said, "Oh yeah, we'll um we'll we'll, we'll match it because you were so close." So um, one hundred and twenty quid of that five hundred odd quid, it was actually free money. To be fair, yeah. doesn't <laughs> matter. Boy, it, listen, it's free great charities, and it's so a whatever yeah. you can raise. It's, it's tough out there for the charities, so whatever you can raise, keep doing the good, keep up the good work because it's free Absolutely. great. Charities. 
Uh, and Tony, we've already kept you for long enough. Really appreciate you joining us. So a couple of questions before you go, just quick fire ones, if you don't mind, from the <laughs> listeners, the We Are West Ham podcast listeners who got in touch earlier on. Dave White on Twitter. It was quite an interesting one. What was your favourite kit during your two spells at West Ham? Ooh. Um, it's a tough question to answer. Um, I'll go for the... Uh, blue with the two claret hoops like the one I got sent off in that Anfield <laughs> before you before you mentioned it but I, I grew up in the 70s watching West Ham and I can remember the, the great Bobby Moore and Billy Bonds wearing that kit so for me it was a real privilege to wear that in the mid 90s when I come back to the club great great suggestion uh, this is Reese Bayliss former Quizmaster Reese. Uh, what did it feel like this will be a question you've answered countless times no doubt Tony but fans love to hear it what did it feel like scoring on the day, on your debut for the club you support especially against Tottenham well we're getting to the end of the interview now so I could I could honestly sit here for about the next 24 hours and tell you exactly what it felt like um, listen it was just quite simply just the best feeling ever you know as, as you can imagine as a West Ham fan and to play for your local club and then your first game, home to Spurs, you score after 25 minutes and then you beat Spurs 3-0. And as I always say, my after-dinner speech, it really doesn't get much better than that, does it? So it was uh, it was fantastic. Wonderful, and wonderful a feat. I, lo- I loved fu- every minute about my debut. Excellent stuff. And a final one here from Stephen Wills said, you played snooker against Steve Davis in the 80s. And how did that come about? You handled a cue pretty well against him. Uh, yeah, back in my, my misspent youth days where I used to play snooker down the club. Yeah, I think Steve gave me a 90 point start or something ridiculous like that. And I ended up beating him, but only because he gave me a 90 point start. But I can't remember what the show was called. Like It was like a sort of a charity thing. and that. But he's done well to dig that one out. I don't think I've ever seen it since, since the mid 80s, you know. So, uh, But we used to have a lot of fun, whether it was snooker, golf or whatever, you know, it was um, tennis, whatever. It was always nice to play other sports. I, always, I, I enjoyed that. Not as much as my football, obviously, but I enjoy playing other sports. Great stuff. Well, Tony Cotty, it's been absolutely wonderful to have you on again tonight. Uh, wonderful to have you always on the We Are West Ham podcast. Some great insight about David Moyes, Declan Rice, and just your general thoughts on the team. And hopefully you can uh, pull in some money for the Betway uh, charity bets for the West Ham charities as well. We'll let you know, of course, on that. But it's been an absolute pleasure, Tony, and we really appreciate it. Cheers, boys. Can I just say to all the fans, uh, you know, it's been a really difficult year for everyone, hasn't it? But, you know, everyone keep the faith. Hopefully we'll, we'll all be uh, safe and sound and back in the football stadium soon, whether that's the new year or not, I don't know. But it'd be nice to see everyone back at our home and back at West Ham and following the club that we all love. So, come on, your hands. Brilliant. Tony Cotty there, absolutely wonderful. But stay with us because we'll have football journalist and Liverpool fan George Douglas for the Opposition View next. So what a fantastic guest, Tony Cotty there, West Ham legend, giving us some excellent insight. It's a demanding almost that West Ham sign David Moyes and Declan Rice up to new contracts. Just really sensible words from Tony Jonesy there about um, about the club on the whole, but delighted to say that not one, but two guests tonight on the We Are West Ham podcast. We play Liverpool at Anfield on Saturday night, 530 Kick off, and we welcome now to the We Are West Ham podcast football journalist and Liverpool fan George Douglas. George, thank you very much for joining us. Um, you will be the fourth 
opposition view guest that we've had on uh, consecutively if you say that Liverpool are going to beat West Ham this weekend who has come on and said that West Ham are going to lose um, are you going to do that are you confident that the Reds can overcome the mighty inform hammers um, well I'm never the most optimistic Liverpool fan even after last season as uh, JJ will tell you that right up towards the end of it I'm never confident they're going to win the league um, it will be tough it will be tough this weekend I always think it's a tough game against West Ham but particularly you know the result against Man City you know, that draw and the wins over Wolves and Leicester, it's going to be a hard game. And obviously, Liverpool's injury problems, you know, they're well documented at the moment. Probably have a fairly strong side out, but obviously Virgil van Dijk's going to be a big miss and West Ham looking confident going forwards. I'd like to think Liverpool will edge it, but I think it'll be close no matter what happened this weekend. Jules, do you, do you, is there some, some kind of worry at, at Liverpool at the moment that... What was initially a really good chance of, of retaining the Premier League crown and having two back-to-back titles after having so long, waited so long for that first, that it might be a case of blowing it. Um, I mean, I know it's still only early doors, but, you know, the Van Dyke injury, um, form hasn't been great. Um, and, you know, plenty of other little injuries going on as well. And the fact that your backup keeper is Adrian, who West Ham fans know, um, isn't isn't the most reliable if if yeah. Addison gets keeps getting injured? Um, are you are you concerned that it might be uh, another oh so close season? A little bit. Uh, it, it, it's annoying in a way. It, it's a, it's a strange one to complain about really because we've waited for so long for Liverpool to win the league um, to now be you know frustrated at the fact that we might <laughs> not have as, as good a chance of winning back to back titles. But you know that's, that's the way it is. Um, yeah, I think there is an element of that. Not, not just the injuries, really. I mean, the Van Dijk one, that can happen. We look at the four with Man City last season. Mm. I think it's more just the nature of the way the season's been you know, so far. It's been such a ridiculous situation that we find ourselves in. And obviously, you know, you can't really do anything about that. But the fact that Liverpool have sort of, this is the best Liverpool team I've ever seen. And it's a, the best Liverpool team that a lot of fans have ever seen, sort of my age, you know. And we're not really getting to see it up close and personal and as well it's getting affected potentially this era of dominance that we've all been waiting for could be derailed by something that's completely out of the club's control um, at the same time it's the same for every club Liverpool are joint top um, so we can't complain too much at this early stage but yeah I think there's an element of that and hopefully come the end of the season we'll um, be able to just get on with them we'll be back to normal but you know, we'll see how it goes Back to normal, hopefully not meaning Liverpool winning the league, I guess. (laughs) Uh, Tom, uh, George, sorry, sorry. Uh, Looking ahead to the game at Anfield on the weekend, how do you see it playing out? We were talking um, for the majority of the show about what it's going to be like for West Ham or how they're going to play without Mikel Antonio, who looks almost certain to miss out um, on the weekend. And he's been our talisman this season. He's been uh, at the heart of everything good that West Ham have done. Looks like Sebastian Haller might come in or Moyes is going to have to change something about up front. So it might not be as potent. But how do you see it uh, being approached from a, from a Liverpool perspective? Well, I think, I mean, first of all, I think it will be a close game, as I was saying earlier. Um, Liverpool have tended to try and dominate these kind of games with the ball, but they've probably not been as slick with their passing. I mean, that's probably the reason Thiago's coming. We'll wait and see if he's fit for the weekend. But, the approach is going to be the approach they've had for this whole season. 
despite the way some of the results have gone, the way the season's gone, they are trying to control these games. Um, yes, the Aston Villa one was a complete shocker, but I still think they're going to try, try and take that approach with the, uh, you know, even without Van Dijk with the high line, get Robertson and Trent pushing forwards and trying to get balls into the box. Antonio will be a big miss, but there's still, you know, quality players in this West Ham team. They're showing that this season. So Klopp will have a plan. I'm sure he's going to be pretty close. Um, I just like to think that maybe Thiago will come back into the team and we'll just see a bit more, you know, a bit more um, composure and possession at times against Sheffield United. is a little bit sloppy. I'd like to see maybe Thiago, Thiago Jota keeping the side as well because he, he looked pretty decent. And it's a bit more attacking there. Salah, Mane, Firmino and Jota all on the pitch. So that'd be nice if, if that four could sort of build on uh, what happened against Sheffield United last weekend. Do you see this fixture as the perfect time to actually give players like Jota an opportunity against it's a West Ham, West Ham side that might be informed, but, you know, with a, a relatively poor record at Anfield. Um, sort of fringe players like, not I mean, Jota's not a fringe player, he's a good, he's a good player, just mm. in his own right, but um, given the long season that, that's ahead, um, it could be an opportunity to, for for those players to sort of get some minutes under their belt for Liverpool. I hope so because I fancy this when when Liverpool are a little bit weaker than than normal. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think of all the players that have come in recently, maybe looking back to January in the last window, you know, like some Minamino players like that. Jota seems to be the one that Klopp seems most eager to get into the team. We've always got the Champions League game before the West Ham game, so. I wouldn't be surprised if we see a bit of rotation there. You know, I think it's Mitchell and that's how you say it. Um, so there's potential there for a few few players getting rested and then maybe we'll see that reflected in the West Ham game as well. I mean, the, the games are coming thick and fast at the moment. There'll be more Champions League games after that. It'll still be a strong team, but I think there are there is definitely cause for players like Jota who are on the, on the fringes, really pushing after what happened at the weekend to you know, stay in the side and state their claim further against West Ham. Um, that's in terms of the attacking players anyway defensively can't really rotate too much is Fabinho do you reckon will he be lining up centre back Fabinho alongside Gomez I would have thought so I mean Jarma Tip's going to miss the Champions League game they're potentially hoping he might be back for Saturday but with Matip it's never been you know he's never been that reliable and we've never seen him play a run of games so I think if Gomez and Fabinho when they start together in the Champions League and do well and keep a clean sheet then Maybe there's foundations there for a partnership. I mean, they, they look pretty decent against Sheffield United um, in the Champions League against Ajax last week as well, but they kept a clean sheet. So, yeah, there's foundations there. Fabinho isn't typically um, a centre-half, but he's shown so far this season that he's doing a pretty, pretty decent job there. So there's no reason really for Klopp to, to veer away from that, I would say. George, just... Uh... I know you're a Liverpool fan, but also know that you're a bit of a Football League World expert, um, given that you work for Football League World as well. Um, obviously, Seb Benrahma is in line to, to potentially make his debut. Is that something that worries you, given you know Tony Cotty's been bigging him up earlier on in the show? Because uh, he's seen a lot of him sort of while covering Brentford for, for Sky Sports. and yeah. So you would have seen a lot of him covering the Football League for, for your day job. Mm. Um, him, and, him and Jared Bowen, Arguably the two most exciting players in the championship, both now West Ham players, over the last sort of six months to a year. Sort of, are you worried about the impact that he could have on his debut if he plays? Um, a little bit, yeah. You, I think you have to be with a player like that. Um, you know, he, he's a real sort of magician, isn't he, with a boy? He can do the unexpected. I think 
the only question Mark you might have over him is, is that lack of match fitness because he didn't play much for Brentford, did he, before he signed um, for West Ham? Then saying that, he didn't play much for Brentford and he came in in the League Cup game and he, he turned, I think it was Michael Hector with a like, backhill nutmeg and then curled one in. So whether, whether he's going to be that sluggish if he does play at the weekend, I'm not too sure. Um, but yeah, I, I would be a bit concerned. He, obviously, he's, he's waiting for the chance to, to play for West Ham and, and prove himself in the Premier League is, is what he's wanted ever since he came to England. I think Brentford are quite good at placing themselves or not. They don't want to explicitly say they're a they're stepping stone club, but for a lot of players that come over, probably see them that as an opportunity to get into the Premier League. So this is his big moment. I think if he does get the chance to come into the team on, uh, on Saturday, then yeah, he'll definitely be right up for kind of trying to show why West Ham eventually are going to pay big money for him. Right, well, George, we'll, uh, we'll have to put you on the spot, as we always do. Tony Cotty just now and Tom Edwards in their Betway charity bets for this week have gone with West Ham wins. Me and Jonesy swerved what the result's going to be, I think probably sensibly. But uh, I haven't got the score predictions off of Jonesy yet, but just from you, what, what are you saying uh, score-wise at the weekend? Um, well, like I say, I'm never that confident with Liverpool. I'm never really battling for a big win. I think it'll be close this weekend, but I will just just uh, side with my team, um, if that's all right with you two. And I'll go 2-1. 2-1 to, to Liverpool from George. This is excellent, Jones, isn't it? Because we've had a, a good record the last few weeks. I think that makes it five in a row where the opposition view has come on and backed their team and then West Ham have gone on and got a result the following weekend. So, fingers crossed for that. Jonesy, what are you saying for the, uh, for the game at Anfield Saturday night? I think, given our form, I mean, with or without Antonio, I still think we'll go, we'll go into this game with a lot of confidence. Knowing that you know Liverpool are a little bit weaker in defence without Van Dijk, I think we'll probably try and exploit that a little bit. But um, I think winning is probably a little bit too far fetched. But I definitely, I think a draw is a realistic, a realistic result for us. And I say I'm going to say one all again. You're going to go with one all. Well, I, I am going to go. It seems very unlikely, but I will go with a 2-1 West Ham win. I don't think I've actually... I'm not going to say something I know. like 7-0. No, no. But I, I just, I don't know. It just got one of those feelings, isn't it? I can already hear the pundits after the game excusing Liverpool's performance because they're tired from the Champions League. Uh, obviously, the, the violin brigade will still be out for Virgil van Dijk. Uh, Memphis Depay, by the way, Putting a pulling his shirt up in the French league to reveal good luck of Virgil or whatever, just oh, absolutely just ridiculous. Dutch friends, aren't they? <laughs> friends. <laughs> but uh, no, I, I I can just hear it after the game. Really, I've just got a feeling talking about West Ham in good form. David Moyes done well to shift the team about without Antonio, and we did in speed. You know, we ran him close at Anfield last season, didn't we? And uh, yeah, I just I just fancy it. I think uh, Pablo Fornells is going to have another game of his life. And uh, yeah, so I'll, I'll go 2-1 to West Ham. George Douglas, football journalist and Liverpool fan, thank you very much for joining us. But stay with us. No name that game this week. Frozen because Tom has swanned off to Portugal. But stick with us because we'll have the West Ham women's segment and some reaction from the Tony Cotty interview.
So, George Douglas, their football journalist and Liverpool fan, back in the Reds to take all three points at Anfield on Saturday night. But that's good for us because the opposition view on the We Are West Ham podcast for the last four weeks uh, have all backed their own side and West Ham have gone and got a, a result. Haven't lost since that's happened, Jonesy, so that's good news. Another uh, defeat avoider this week, probably for me, because I currently sit bottom of the name that game leaderboard uh, is, yeah, done by me. I won't be losing at name that game this week because Tom is out the country, was unable to join us. Therefore, we've decided to freeze name that game for a week. We'll call it international duty, but it just turns out that Tom is the only one of us to be called up by uh, for international duty. Me and Jones left that home sweating with all the other reserves but it's uh, James Jones on 16 points Tom Edwards on nine points and me on seven for name that game for any new listeners this week name that game a game where me and the lads pick a game or the quiz master each week picks a West Ham match from history collates seven bits of information about that game the obscure fact uh, the score line one opposition goal scorer West Ham goal scorer the stadium it was played West Ham's opponent and what season and for each bit of information, the lads guess about those, uh, we get a point. And that is being collated into a league table, which at the end will, of course, the loser buys the beers at the end of the season party. So a week off for that this week, James. Chance for us both to rest up, which is exactly what West Ham women's have had this week, or West Ham's women. Uh, the, a few of the players have been out on international duty. The rest will be at home. Still convalescing after the defeat to Manchester United last time out. We've covered it last week. Not looking too good for the girls at the moment in the league. They've got a little bit of respite with international duty, though that didn't help them last time before their next game, which is Reading away. Uh, sorry, Reading at home uh, in the League Cup, which is next Wednesday, the 4th of November. Some of the girls uh, out on international duty at the moment, James, I think was Kenza Darley. Um, she was she was out with France. Yeah, Kenza Darley, um, she was a second-half substitute in France's, what was it? Uh, I think North years. Macedonia. 11 0 win over North Macedonia. <laughs> not bad, is it? it came on in the 68th minute um, when it was 8 0. Um, so, yeah, nice 20, just over 20 minutes run out for France in, in what was a comprehensive, I think it's probably the word for that, comprehensive victory for France. 11. 11 <clears throat> that's, uh, yeah, I think they, they went top of Group G in the. Uh, Euro 21 qualifying groups, uh, France here, but 11 nil that is that's quite the quite the tonkin, isn't it? I think Mar- uh, elsewhere, Martha Thomas came off the bench to help Scotland to a three nil victory against Albania, uh, which puts Scotland second in Group E uh, with wins from all three of their qualifiers so far. I think they're second just on goal difference. Uh, also, Courtney Brosnan and her second Republic of Ireland cap. Starting between the sticks for uh, for Ireland in a one 0 defeat against Ukraine, which means that Republic of Ireland now need to beat Germany in their in their final qualifier coming up in December to guarantee a place in the playoffs. So a bit of a, bit of a big big game. That's not e- yeah, that's not easy, so, is it? It's a, it's a big it's a big game in December. And uh, forward Leanne Kierman was an unused substitute for that side as well. So no minutes for Leanne Kierman, but um, yeah, all eyes on that. That Republic of Ireland, Germany. Game yeah, that's not, that's not that's not easy, is it? Needing to, not, not to beat Germany. To be, 
in the final game. No, and finally, of course, your uh, favourite player, Katarina Svitkova, Czech Footballer of the Year last year, came off the bench for her country in their 4 0 away defeat to Spain, which leaves them third in Group D. I think the two, two qualifiers still left to play. It's a bit of a, uh, uh, what a, what a downfall. Czech Footballer of the Year, now you're coming off. Off of the bench in the qualifiers, but Jonesy, the um, one one sort of uh, thing to be positive about in recent times, in the last week or so, the uh, the West Ham women's team have been pushing the pink kits, the pink kits they've been wearing uh, for Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Uh, Michael Antonio also got involved in that. I think October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, the pink shirts. I think they're available to buy as well. And I think the money goes towards that cause. So a little bit of positivity, but two big games coming up for the girls, James. Yeah, got the Red, as you mentioned before, uh, running at home in the League Cup next week on the 4th. Beat, beat um, uh, Brighton, of course, in the first. Beat Brighton. First game out on the penalty it? shootouts, didn't they? Yeah. yeah, so big game there. And I think, you know, that we, we looked at that Brighton game, didn't we? And... and Thought maybe that could be the thing that kickstarts the result that kickstarts the the league form. It hasn't <laughs> did it? Happened. Didn't know? Did it? <laughs> didn't. Um, so yeah, I think now everyone's like, okay, we'll you know, get a win against against Reading, um, or you know, or a good performance against Reading, and then hopefully that will kickstart the league form. Because then after that, a few days later, Birmingham away in the WSL uh, on the eighth of November. Birmingham seventh in um, WSL at the moment. No, it's a winnable fixture. Um, and, you know, as we said last week, you know, we've got to start winning games in the league. Otherwise, it's, it's not going to get any better. You know, no wins from the first five. Uh, Birmingham, what, five points clear, three point three positions ab- uh, above West Ham. Like, God, this is a must-win game now. Yeah, and that's the thing. We're, we're at risk of, of sounding a little bit broken record-y, aren't we? Because... Uh, you know, with the with the games coming up, every every game now is in that next game's a big game, next game's a huge game. And when you're in that position, that only adds to the pressure on the girls, doesn't it? And I think certainly pressure on manager Matt Beard at the moment mm. um, come out after the game and said the usual sort of stuff, oh, we need to improve. And so, well, yeah, obviously, obviously you need to improve. And yeah, that's, that is... Ultimately, his job, isn't it, to to pull them together? And although he's he's popular certainly with with Jilly and popular with a few of the players in the group, you know, it is a it is a results business, isn't it? But yeah, big uh, big game next week in the League Cup. Uh, you'll have heard from us before then, of course, on next Wednesday's podcast. We hope to have a WSL guest on the show again to look ahead and preview those two games in some serious detail. But stay with us because. For the final section of the show, we'll have some reaction from James and I on the Tony Cotty interview, and we'll have an FPL update. Stay with us for all of that next. So that is that for the We Are West Ham podcast for another week. What a fantastic guest. Me and Jones just holding the fort, just the two of us while Tom is away in Portugal. But his replacement for the main majority of the show, West Ham legendary striker, Tony Cotty. What a delight it was to have Tony on, Jonesy. And some some outstanding things he was saying. Really, really strong feelings from Tony, certainly on the... The David Moyes, Declan Rice contract issues. What were your what were your thoughts? Yeah, I think 
he really laid his cards out on the table in terms of, sort of where he stands with how David Moyers, you know, still the, the opinion amongst fans is, yeah, okay, he deserves a lot of respect, but, you know, is he the man to take us forward? But Tony Cotty straight away just said, no, he needs a four or five year deal. And, and that's the only way you can attract the players like Declan Rice to sign on for longer contracts. And I do make him right as well. I think what he said was, was true and also an interesting take because not a lot of people think about that when they say, I'll just give him a five year contract. You know, uh, these players don't just, you know, these players want to see um, some commitment from the club in terms of, you know, what, what, you know, what their plans are with the manager and, and, and the future of the club as well before they sign on for, for large sections of their careers. Um, I hadn't really considered that either. Do you? I thought that was yeah, quite... I've never really thought of it like that before. No. Um, and obviously, Tony Cotty having plenty of experience in, in, in that side of it, being next pro himself, opened your eyes to it a little bit and go, well, actually, no, that makes a lot of sense. You know, why would a player sign on for a four or five-year contract knowing that the manager might not only be around for another six months or, mm. or seven months? So made a lot of sense. And yeah, I think the club probably do need to make a decision very soon. Soon, I know there's, there's a lot of reports going on around a contract for both. Um, I think that that decision's got to be made very, very soon. Because we are what only just like what two months away from the Jeremy transfer window, with you know potentially Chelsea losing. <laughs> Got all over, that fun merry-go-round to come yeah, again. Exactly. Um, and I'm I think, already you know, bored of it. Exactly. Yeah, we all are. We've only just stopped talking about it what three weeks ago. And we've got to talk about <laughs> yeah. it again soon. Um, and it's just you know I don't given the way what's going on at the club at the moment, everything's positive. You know, we're not playing badly. You know, we're getting some good results in, in difficult fixtures and. You know, everyone's thinking, all right, finally got something to look forward to. The last thing the club needs then is a load of controversy and a load of speculation over their star player for a month, just when we're starting to pick up a bit of form. So, yeah, uh, I'd make Tony right. The contract's got to, be, got to be sorted sooner rather than later, and hopefully those reports are true. Hmm. No, absolutely. I think uh, that'd be good to see positive words. And, I mean, Tony made sure that we stressed the word potentially, but some early stage comparisons Saeed Benrama to Dimitri Payet. He did make 100% sure, Tony, to that we that we said potentially. But again, you know, the, that, that name isn't thrown around lightly in West Ham circles, is it? And, you know, it's a bit like every time a midfielder goes to Chelsea, he's going to be the new Lampard or a striker. It's the new Drogba or same at Liverpool. Is he the new Steven Gerrard? Yeah. Dimitri Payet in recent times is the sort of the closest we've got to that, really, isn't he? Um, what do you what do you make it out? Are you sort of tempering your expectations? Because I was very much team Josh King uh, rather than Ben Rama. It sounds like David Moyes was as well. But as we've already established last week, David Moyes takes all of his ideas from me when he listens to the We Are West Ham podcast, as he did with the five at the back. <laughs> and, oh, yeah, I'm sure, of course. Yeah, yeah. And, and I'm sure he does with the... Uh, with the transfers as well, we wouldn't be seeing Arthur Masuaku, His Royal Highness King Arthur Masuaku, in current form. Congratulations to Arthur, by the way, on his hundredth Premier League, uh, no hundredth appearance for the club. Sorry, we did tweet that out. Uh, long live His Royal Highness King Arthur Masuaku. In the week off of the at we are underscore West Ham Twitter account, but yeah, Jonesy, I mean Ben Rama, Payet. I've seen I've seen fans some fans mention that you know he's got similar flair to to Payet. I mean I haven't I I'll be honest I haven't seen 
enough of him to go, yeah, this guy's just gonna tell be me he's going to be as good as Payet. Um, I think we'd all love it if he was, uh, but at the same time, and you know, Jules Jul said it earlier in the opposition view section that you know, he's never played Premier League football, it's his dream to play Premier League football like it is for every other footballer. Um, it's very difficult to put a lot of pressure on someone. Um, and that is a lot of pressure to live up to amongst West Ham fans, you know, and you've got to be the next Dimitri Payet. Um, I'm, I'm just a little bit wary of those comparisons, to be fair, but there's no doubt in, given Tony Cotty bigged him up and said, said how good he was, um, even without the, even before he mentioned Payet, you know, he's really given it about him and, and Jules has bigged him up as well, being a Football League expert. So a lot of expectation, but in terms of the pressure, well, just let, let, let him be his own player. Let him be. Ah. Let him be. Let him be said Ben Rama. Why can't he just be said Ben Rama rather than? Sorry, can just this is another one. I know we had this over Kufal and Sufal. Is it not Saeed Ben Rama? No, I just say said. Said Ben Rama. It sounds like you're you're re- relaying something he told you earlier in the day. <laughs> yeah, too fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. No. Yeah, I'm definitely I'm definitely as good as Dimitri Payet said Ben Rama. <laughs> yeah, okay. that's what he said. Exactly. Well, I must admit though, Jonesy, that from you just said all that. Yeah, then I wait and see. That's exactly what Phantom Hammer was talking about. That is not what listeners of the We Are West Ham podcast want to hear. They want to hear you oh, saying right. just he's like gonna Tony be, he's going to be. He's going to be as good as Lionel Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo. That's why they call him the Algerian Lionel Messi. Because he's better than Lionel Messi. Watch this space, West Ham fans. There we go. That one's going up on the Twitter promos later on, undoubtedly. Jones, just quickly, this doesn't go at this part of the podcast whatsoever. But I'd uh, just like to give a shout out to uh, Nick Moore, who walked up to me when I was in the gym the other day and said hello um, to and bigged up the podcast. He was listening to it on the treadmill. And uh, flagged me down and said, uh, f- showed me his phone as he was on the on the treadmill at the gym and said, uh, yeah, just listening to your podcast. Great. Love it. Um, so I thought it'd be uh, good to to give Nick Moore a uh, shout out and say hello for uh, coming up to me in the gym the other day. Not a place that um, many people expect to see me, I must admit. I was going to say, I don't know what's more shocking, the fact you've been recognised by a listener or the fact you're in the gym. What's more, what's more shocking? <laughs> Definitely the gym. Definitely the gym. Well, look, if uh, I'm sure it was um, Nick had listened to or watched the We Are West Ham on YouTube, which you can do at the moment if you're curious about what me or James, uh, you obviously know what Tony Cotty looks like, but if you want to watch this interview back uh, as well as listen to it, you can on our YouTube channel and the link to that channel. And this video will be in the description to this podcast. Jonesy, before we say goodbye, a quick fantasy football update. The Tottenham-Burnley game is going on as we speak, and it's still nil-nil. doesn't bode well for me, because I've got Harry Kane as captain and Heung-Min Son in midfield. I'm on a measly 25 points so far this week, uh, which puts me on 298 points total. You are on 38 points, which puts you just three points behind on 295. And Tom has fully caught up with me. Uh, on he's got 44 before this is all before the Tottenham game to put him on 296 a uh, quick shout out to Rudy Eagling who's back to top spot in the We Are West Ham podcast listener league the code for that CNY6OU if you want to join he's on 408 points now but of course that's before tonight's games kicked off um, feeling confident Jones on fantasy 
No, I've had a terrible season. I've been saying it every single week. Like I've just it's been tragic the first five, six weeks. Um You're only three I'm, points behind me now. Yeah, I can't believe I've not even hit three hundred points after five weeks. It's it's heartbreaking, mate. It really is it's, it's getting me down. Well, have you got um, any Spurs, Burnley, Brighton or West Brom players? No, I've just got I've just got Son in. Um so I'm hoping he does something because the only player that's done anything for me this this, this week is um Raul Jimenez. Mm. The others have all, all flopped. Um so I need Son to bang in about eight for to make this week <laughs> even remotely acceptable from a point scoring perspective. Well I'm on twenty five, so it could be worse. That, I mean, yeah. But I'm still, you still got more points than the overall, so uh, that is true. Um, that is yeah. true. Well, look, hopefully, uh, hopefully, there's some. Well, I don't, I don't want to say hopefully some Tottenham goals in the second half. It'll always be funny if they lose. Hopefully, they lose six five and uh, and Kane bags all five. So that's it for tonight, James. Um, brilliant stuff having Tony on. Tony Carr last week, Tony Cotty this week, and we don't want to promise anything just yet but we've got some big names who we're talking to ex West Ham players in the offing for the next couple of weeks to bring you on the We Are West Ham podcast once again hello to any new listeners to the We Are West Ham podcast welcome hope you enjoyed it tonight with Tony and of course last week with Tony Carr like I say do stick with us do subscribe to the podcast or the YouTube channel or both in fact uh, to see who we've got coming up over the next few weeks. Like I say, hopefully some huge ex-West Ham uh, names coming up. Follow us on Twitter at we are underscore West Ham. We're on Instagram as well. And uh, YouTube, of course, which is in the description below. Please, please, please give us a review. We've had a couple of new ones this week, which is lovely to see. Five stars and a few nice words, if possible. Or do a phantom hammer and ruin James's week and uh, tell him <laughs> he'll put you to sleep. But um, yeah, thanks very much, of course, for listening. Jonesy, any final thoughts? Uh, just hopefully this time next week, we'll be talking about another another positive result um, leading into our inevitable defeat to Fulham the following weekend. And um, yeah, you know, long may this continue. I've never... I can't remember the last time I felt so positive about, about West Ham going into, particularly going into a game at Anfield. Absolutely. Great stuff from George Douglas tonight for the opposition view. Great, great stuff from West Ham legend Tony Cotty. Thanks very much to those two guys for joining us. Thank you to all you guys for listening at home. What a run West Ham United are on at the moment. Champions away at the weekend. Why the hell not? Thanks for listening, everyone. Up the hammers, and we'll see you next week. Sports Social Podcast Network.